This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Well, good morning, Horse World. I am Glenn the Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Jamie Jennings, and I'm in Norman, Oklahoma, and you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for September 23rd, episode 2525, brought to you today by Stateline Tech. Good morning, Horse World. Everybody up, rise and shine. It's a new day. It's Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday. Here we can go again. And away we go. Well, hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Before we get into the meat of everything going on today, Jamie's going to tell us what's coming up on today's show. I certainly am. It's going to be our Equiderma guest, Megan Hensley of Holistic Hooves, who's going to speak to us about donkey's feet and thrush. Our horse nutrition podcast health report has Dr. Waldridge discussing joint anatomy. And Glenn always has a crappy list, and we got some weird news. So uh, here it comes. All right. Sounds good. And I have a story here for you to lead the day. Uh, we There were so many rescue stories in the news this morning. I picked one because there were like 100 of them. Horses getting stuck in the mud. We had another one in the backyard pool, which seemed those horses want to swim a lot. We get at that a lot. Uh, this one, this rider was riding on one of those steep hills out in California. It was at the Casper's Regional Park in San Juan Capistrano. And I only picked it because I like saying that name. Uh, <laughs> so her horse started to buck. And if you know those trails on some of those sides of those hills, they're steep and the trails are narrow. Well, her horse started to buck, and wisely, she bailed out. Well, the horse unfortunately slipped and fell 60 feet down a ravine. Now, Mm. uh, apparently, because of the rough terrain, they couldn't get the horse out, so they called in the rescue people, and uh, everybody showed up. A veterinarian sedated the horse, and the Orange County Fire Authority, who are used to rescuing horses out there, hooked it to a helicopter and hoisted the horse out to be reunited with the owner. But the amazing part of the story is, is the rider's fine and the horse is fine. Now, how does a horse fall 60 feet down a ravine, and it's fine, playing out in our own paddock where it's perfectly level, there's nothing going on, the horse gets hurt? I have one horse here that I just feel like it's a mystery how he continues to cut himself. Like, I have... Six horses out in the big pasture, and one just can't. It's, I think it's just all about the horse. It has nothing to do with the situation or where they are. It's just that particular horse. And why is it that you can have 12 miles of wooden fencing, and you'll go out and look for the nails sticking out, right? So you, the nails always come loose and stick out, and you go out and look for them. At, at a, you should, at least, on occasion. And if there's one nail out and 12 miles of fencing, they're going to find it. Of course. They find that one nail. Of, of course, you'll find hair attached. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. But anyway, uh, it's good that this horse is fine. Everybody's fine. But wow, what a scary day that was. I wonder if she'll ride on that trail again anytime I mean, soon. how much do you have? The question is, how much sedation do you have to give a horse to allow it to be hoisted by a helicopter? <laughs> 
to a place. And then the horse is in the air. Like you would think it would be like some sort of ketamine induced a sedation where like they are not they're recumbent basically but then the helicopter has to drop them you know like yep. put them down on the ground and i can't imagine like does it just crumble does it stand up what's the deal how i need to talk the to harness is this. one of those that goes completely under the horse you know and and their legs are sticking yeah. out. I saw pictures of the horse flying through the air and it's just hanging there. You know, what's it going to do? <laughs> I mean, if it was Zeus and, and he, he, escaped. Had, <laughs> he had bucked me off or something and he went down the, down the thing and he was stuck down there, I'd be like, he'll be fine. He'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah, he will get figure out, out eventually. a way to get out. It's fine. Just call off the helicopter. It, he'll be fine. By the way, I'll see him in three days in my ta- in my feed room. Okay? Does the rider get a bill for the five thousand dollar rescue? I mean, something. Who pays? For <laughs> I don't that? know. I don't know. If, you know, you have to pay for an ambulance call, right? You're paying for the ambulance to come out to your house and take you to the hospital when you're dying. And is that know. covered by insurance? These are all the real <laughs> questions that, that, that horse people think about. General people read that story and go, "Oh, wow, they saved the pretty horse." We're all going, "Well, who pays for that oh my sucker?" God, who pays for that? <laughs> yeah. That's a ton. And that, and what's a veterinarian charge for a call where it has to go down a sixty foot ravine to sedate your horse? There's a house call for you. That's a call charge. I mean, God, you get pissed if they it's forty dollars to show up at your yeah. door and they've driven one hundred and forty seven miles. But my God, uh, here's what I need. <laughs> to do. I need you to go to the trailhead and then you're going to hike back about two and a half miles till you get to the top of a ravine. And then you're going to look over the mountain edge down about 60 feet and there's going to be a horse precariously perched. Uh, and I need you to get down there with a 4cc syringe and inject a uh, two cc's into a horse's jugular vein while perched on the side of a rocky cliff with a horse who is really unhappy. Can yeah. you do that? How much is that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. How much is that house call? <laughs> on that note. We have a couple of birthdays today. First of all, to our friend and founder of PodFest, the second largest podcast conference, and he's been on our show many times, Chris Kermitsos. I wanted to give him a very special happy birthday. Nash, or next week, I also wanted to announce, is International Podcast Day, and we usually celebrate it. It's next Wednesday, but on Tuesday, which is normally a day we don't have a show because it's Fifth Tuesday, I have my friend Neil Galarte coming in, and we're going to do another one of our Meet the podcasters episodes where we get a whole bunch of podcasters on that are doing shows not about horses and we meet them and have a little fun so we're going to honor podcasting next tuesday here on horses in the morning live with a whole bunch of different podcasters about different and i and there's a variety of things so uh those shows are always fun and we're looking forward to that next week did you hear about the podcast that is people playing weird noises no it's a whole podcast about weird noises I'll, I'll get the details. Do you have to guess what it. the noises are then? Is that the I deal? Don't, I don't know. It was just like weird. We need them on the show. Sounds. Find them for me, okay? I will. I'll All work right. out All right. on it. And also, happy birthday to auditors Anna Biffle and Carrie Garvey. Happy birthday to both of you, too. <laughs> oh, Ellen and Veronica. I love them. 
Ellen is an auditor and Veronica is her daughter. And they When you say Ellen and Veronica, I thought, is that some old soap opera? That <laughs> <laughs> From Days of Our Lives. Yeah, that's right. It sounds like two friends. names that'd be on Days of Our Lives that your grandmother Ellen watched. And Veronica. <laughs> they had some trouble loading uh one their their mare. And so I'm so pleased to be able to help them. They sent me some videos of them trying to load the mare. And it was funny because, and I, I discussed all this with them because I just Facebook called them and I was like, Hey, let's try this. And uh, I was watching the video and it's Ellen coaching Veronica. Okay. Back her up. Okay. Move her forward. Okay. Back her up. I want to give my daily Winnie to Veronica for not killing her mother. For like actually listening to her mom, because it, I, if my mom was telling me to do something like that, I'd have freaked out. I've been like, go inside, woman. I'll handle it. And, and Veronica was so sweet to her mom and just kept doing what she was doing. But I'm watching the video and the horse is like really mad and 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 going back and forth and, and kicking her hips off to the side and just not wanting to go in. And uh, I was watching the video and I'm and they, when they back her up, then they pull her forward in the back. And I was like. Pet her. Just give her a rub. Let her know it's okay. And I'm not kidding you. At the very end of the video, Veronica is listening to Ellen go on about teach, you know, get what to do. And she just reaches up and kind of pets the horse just while she's sitting there listening. And the horse walks right in. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, reward people, reward. Don't forget to let them know they're doing good. Anyway. They sent me, uh, Ellen sent me a message yesterday and it says, what a difference a day makes. And the horse is in the trailer. No problem. Yay. Got her on four times before ending. Literally took two minutes. And now I would like to tell you that it is true. A, a different day is a good idea, but also you did it right. So good job. Good job. Well, I have before I want to get into talking about what horses you have in training because the listeners always like to hear about that. Before we do that, though, I wanted to mention, remember we talked about the Amish auctions? On Monday. Yes. Well, there was a whole thread, a fascinating thread about that on our auditor page. Go check that out. And and yes, in fact, the the lead the draft horse in that sale went for ninety five thousand dollars. Good God. He said there were like forty horses and the total sales were like two hundred and fifty eight thousand dollars. So yes, how much do spend a lot of money on their horses? Um so check that out. It was a very fascinating thread and it was interesting. Uh, the next thing is, I've been getting a lot of messages that I haven't had a chance to get back to everybody. And I mean, yesterday was a lot of messages from listeners and auditors who are asking what's the update on my situation health-wise. And I really appreciate you guys asking. That means a lot. I go to the surgeon this afternoon, and hopefully we'll know more about when that will be. The plan is, it's probably going to be sometime in October. I'll be out for about two weeks. Um, and Jamie's actually out for a week, too, doing your clinic at your farms. What we're going to try and do is get it arranged that we're out opposite of each other so we'll have new shows the whole time just with guest co-hosts uh it's not fair to you guys and it's also not fair to our sponsors to put up two to three weeks of best ofs so we're going to do the best we can to make that happen there might be some best of probably there will what we're going to do in the month of october just to let you know is there won't be any live we won't do them live uh they'll come out every day as normal at noon to two o'clock but we won't do them live because it'll be too difficult if we have uh, other producers, Jemmy's producers producing, and it just it gets too complicated. So if I'm not around, it's too complicated to do it live. Um, so it, they'll be, it still we can't be out. function without Glenn. Yeah, but we'll do them as live, and we'll put them out, and you'll still have shows every day. Just uh, then we'll come back live the following month. It's just going to be easier. Then one day it's live, next day it's not. Next day it's live. We're just going to 
make it easy on everybody. So that's the update. How about you? What's going on horse-wise? Oh, well, it's been an interesting week. So I went to Horse and Hound and I picked up two new horses for training. And one is very recently off the track and one is, has been off the track for quite some time, but just got to the rescue. So they didn't know much about it. So here's the problem. I'm five, two. It's not really a problem. And both these horses stand at 17, two. I've measured them both and the gelding is just at a tick below 17. What are you using a step ladder to get on the thing? <laughs> Good God. I mean, thank God Abby's here. So Abby's Leg you know, up. 5'11". <laughs> she looks normal on the horse. So I, uh, the gelding, his name is killer party, which is a fantastic name, killer party and killer party is a 17 two hand gelding. And he is gentle as a kitten. He has decided, and he was a very successful racehorse actually. Um, and he's decided that that life is behind him and he would not like to go any faster than he has to, which is a fantastic thing for a thoroughbred to have like that kind of mindset. He's very gentle, very big. He had no, you know, manners when he came, but it just one day he's, he's perfect on the lead line. You know, it's pretty hard to fly a kite that's 17 too. So I had to work pretty hard to get him to where he would lead properly. And when I loaded him, Glenn, I put him in the trailer and I led him forward and he decided to look off to the right and just turned his head to the right and pulled me off my feet. <laughs> like he's so big and strong, but again, now he's perfect. Gentle kitten loads, leads, ties, does cross ties, does all the things he's getting his feet worked on today. And, um, he's great. And then we've got the, the mare and this one has been fairly hard for me. She is jet black. Gorgeous, seventeen-two, oh, no. beautiful. For new listeners, Jamie's dream. <laughs> Maybe that not has quite eluded that big. me. <laughs> yeah, not that big, but the the black horse dream has eluded me for quite some time. But anyway, um, she is giant and black, but she re really really recently came off the track, and so I get her here and. The, the first thing is like, I, I put her in a stall and she's trying to jump out of my Dutch doors. And I was like, okay, but I have a little paddock attached tiny, like 12 by 24 paddock right outside that. So I opened that door and she starts throwing her, she threw herself against the fence, trying to break mm. through it. I was like, Oh, so she's less subtle than Zeus getting out. She <laughs> is very dramatic. And then, so I, I've now acclimated her to within a week, acclimated her to, uh, she didn't eat any food for like four days. And so I, I've called a horse and hound and I said, you know, I just think she needs more time to decompress at the rescue before she comes in for training. She's just not ready for training. And so I sent, Nell did that message yesterday and her message was like, okay, bring her back. I was like, Oh God, are you mad at me? <laughs> like, are you mad? I'm so sorry. I just, she's just not ready. I just, I just, she's just not ready. And she's like, of course I'm not mad. Bring her on back. That's fine. We have like a hundred. <laughs> I just, what's great about working with this rescue is now that it just knows horses and she understands and she trusts me completely. So if I tell her the horse needs more time, she's like, okay, 
bring it back. I trust you. The horse needs more time to just decompress because she's only like two weeks off the track. And yeah. I really think they need four to six to just stand around and let what whatever. What they really could use is six months to a year, but, you know, yeah, for yeah, the drugs I, to get out of their system. Well, I think yeah. four to six weeks is, is good for that if they have anything going through their system. And she's three years old and did not race very successfully. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of it is... Uh, she just needs to calm down. She's three years old and she is 17 too, Glenn. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's ridiculous. And no three-year-old at 17 too needs to be racing, you know, at two, you know, or whatever. So, um, so she's going back. So I'm going to take them both back tomorrow and get two more. Then I have little Malachi who is the tiny, uh, I say tiny, I'm almost 14 hands, tiny compared to those guys. Um, and he's a quarter horse and he has probably, the smallest horse I've trained since I started business here. Um, but he's also the toughest. <laughs> Every single thing has been the biggest challenge. Um, but he went and got his teeth floated. Oh my God. Do you remember the whole drama with this is the horse that had the wolf? I, uh, yes. Tough as a bridle. Okay. Yes. Not here. Are you sitting and, down? And had its, and ha- still had its wolf teeth in and then went back the the uh, an equine dentist That's came right. out here, which I I really wanted them to use a veterinarian, but they insisted on the dentist, and the dentist came out and she said, "I can't get the wolf teeth out, but I filed them down." Yes, which is a terrible idea because then there's no no way to get them out because they have to like hook around it and then pull basically, and so there's now there's no wolf teeth to grab onto, um so. My vet was like, they're going to have to take it to a surgical center. Okay. So they call their country vet and their country vet's like, I'll take care of it. Just bring him to me. I'll get it. It's like a doctor pole, right? <laughs> they take the horse uh, this week to Put a crowbar in there and start Dr. yanking. <laughs> yeah. And he sedates him and he opens up the mouth and he goes, this horse doesn't have any wolf teeth. And they're like, excuse me. The equine dentist told us there there definitely were wolf teeth and that she filed them down. Yeah, there's there's no wolf teeth in here. This horse has no wolf teeth. What'd she file down? There's so many questions. <laughs> what did she think? Which one were of the, the good teeth, teeth that she filed down? And what she filed down? It's it's just my head exploded when I heard that because I'm like, well then it why did she tell us if wolf teeth and if she thought there was wolf teeth, which teeth did she think were the wolf teeth? Because the horse is three years old and the canines haven't even erupted yet, so you can't even get those confused. It's like mind blowing. <laughs> Anyway, they took him to the clinic, sedated him, looked at his teeth. Oh, no, there's no wolf teeth. And then they brought him back. <laughs> so <laughs> I've ridden him once or twice. I hope then. they got smart enough not to use that dentist again. Just saying. Yeah, she, yeah. she said she's, she's done. That with, was done. Yeah, that's a good that. idea. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I, here in Oklahoma, there's just a lot of uh, lay people that do it. And it takes minimal I bet time. You she to build them for filing those wolf teeth down. I, I'm sure she did. Yeah, I'm, sh- I'm sure. Um, but I, there's just, I mean, she's been on the hook for this because we've all been talking to her because she's, you know, backed up uh, into a corner a hundred times. But anyway, Malachi's back. He's rideable. He's doing really good. You can hose him off. You can lead him. All the things. Does that he, he didn't take the bit now or haven't you tried yet? Oh, he took it fine. Yeah. He took it fine because he actually had some really sharp points as well. And so now that he has no wolf teeth uh, that I am positive of because the vet (laughs) looked at him, uh, now I put the bridle in and he's just like butter. 
just turn him, just pull the left rein, long lining, and he just turns like butter. So today is the day where he is going to move out of the round pin and into the big arena. So thank goodness oh, I have gets to be a big, big boy today. Duke. Yeah, he's been ponied alongside Duke. So now Abby's going to ride Duke, and I'm going to ride him, and we're going to like team it around. And then you kind of like, you know, they you start to create more independence as as you go. So incrementally, just tiny bit by tiny bit, starting to get them some more independence. So um, I'm really ex- I'm really proud of how far along he's come and and from where he went start to finish. I can walk up to him. This is a horse I couldn't catch for like two hours in the arena within a 10 foot radius. <laughs> he just wouldn't let me catch him. I walk up, I put the halter on, I take him out, I put him in the stall, I feed him, I bring him out, I put him in the cross ties. And I'm just, I'm, I'm thrilled with how far this is coming. It just goes to show you that patience and consistency and nonviolent methods work like this horse. Yeah, he fought, he fought, but I didn't fight back. And eventually he just quit fighting because he's like, well, that's stupid. That's too much work. <laughs> yeah, right. It's too much effort. I don't want to do this anymore. So that's that's that's, that's my three oh, right now. So, so you are and, having so much fun. You can tell when you talk about it that you're having so much fun doing it. Oh this. my gosh, I love what I do. It's awesome. And it's so nice to have Abby here because you remember Drax was returned because yeah. you know, he was so mad because he, he Drax is a horse I issues. sold. <laughs> yeah, three months ago, they returned him saying that he wouldn't go faster than a walk. And if you kicked him, he would pin his ears and get really mad. They bring him back. I'm like, oh, I'll, t- I'll take him back. That's fine. Bring him back. And uh, they bring him back and his feet look like tiny little teeth cups um and i'm like where's his shoes well you didn't say he had to have shoes yes i did and he had shoes on and now you pulled them they were filing his feet every two weeks because they wanted to get those pesky nail holes out of there right so see how well that worked at any rate um oh my god he's doing amazing abby loves him and uh i'm just thrilled actually she's now looking for a place for home for joey so she can she can have him which of course i would give her Drax in two seconds. Um, but anyway, what if anybody is looking for a super nice, like 10 year old been there, done that evented trail ridden dressage hunters, the, her horse, Joey, I started at four and has done everything. And so we're looking for like a really good lease or purchase situation for him. All right. I mean, we're talking super safe, like great first horse for a kid great fox hunter i mean i'll do any i do anything he's that kind of horse he's been he's belonged to a 10 year old who's now 18 so he's seen it all i think she got him for his her 13th birthday anyway and you can email him jamie at horse radio network.com there you go that's where you can find her all right uh i i'm gonna bring to you a story that has science involved i don't usually do the scientific stories usually do those but i found this one fascinating science and you understand it and everything i sort of i mean i understood (laughs) i understood the three paragraphs i copied the rest not so much this was published in the journal sciences or science advances and what they did is they did an exhaustive study of ancient horse remains about a hundred of them from various parts of Asia and the Caucasus and all the way over into Turkey. And what they were trying to do is figure out where did domesticated horses come from? Apparently in the past, they've always assumed that domesticated horses came from uh, Turkey, the area that makes up Turkey. It's also called Anatolia. 
So that's where they assumed they came from. Well, after doing this DNA study, they're not so sure anymore. They said they found uh, genetic testing that horse domestication very likely did not begin in the Turkish area, as had been thought. Instead, it appears that it most likely began in the Eurasian steppe. And why do we know the Eurasian steppe, Jamie? Because Mongolia. Right. We talked about the steps of Mongolia Mm -hmm. and that's where they're thinking Asia now is after doing testing of all these horses and that that the horses were then brought from the Asian steppe to the area of Turkey. So and they think that this has all happened around 4000 years ago. Um They had thought it was older than that. Now they're not thinking that it's older than that. They're thinking it's around 4,000 years ago. Uh, And they also found evidence of the earliest known mule was in Southwest Asia. So they're thinking now that domestication of horses began in, in basically in the Mongol area. And it's interesting because when we talk to about the Mongol Derby and we've had all these dis- uh, conversations with various people about the history of Mongolian horses, it kind of all makes sense now because they've been, as, as they've said, they've been horsemen for thousands and thousands of years. And apparently that's now being proven by science as they, in fact, might have been the ones to first domesticate horses. And where did the first donkey come from? <clears throat> There, they found evidence of the earliest known mule in south we, southwest Asia. So, mule. Okay. yeah, mule. So, um, I don't. Do I, they didn't talk about that, donkeys. <laughs> do you think that they're like they, a bunch of guys, you know, sitting around the campfire, uh, living in the cave, and they see this mule, and they're like, "Hey, look at that horse. That's a weird looking <laughs> horse, but it's really big and it has really long ears, and I, I just, I really like it. Let's train it." Wait, you can't train it like a horse. Hold on. You know what we need to do is we need to breed that with our other horses and see what happens. And then they're like, why are we getting no babies out of it? <laughs> what, like what thought press led to like discovery of a mule? I mean, because mules are sterile. They can't make babies. I I would love to be a fly on that wall. I know. Don't you always wonder who the first person was that tried to put a bit in the mouth who the first person was that nailed a shoe on a horse's foot you know on a side note i'm like who who saw a basil plant and they're like let's eat that yeah, exactly or, or I, any I mean, other plant we had to die before like they realized <laughs> or, oh, okay you can eat this one and yeah. they're always talking about when you go in the woods you eat these berries and not these berries who was the one that ate the other berries uh oh you know? jim damn it we lost him <laughs> yeah. don't, don't eat, eat those berries <laughs> Ooh, I'll try this one. Okay, these are good. These are fine. I have to think about that. You know, when we hike around here, the jungle here in Florida where it's not domesticated is so thick. It's so thick. And, you know, Florida, we're full of stuff that'll eat you and try and kill you. And I said to Jennifer, imagine the explorers back in Spanish times coming through here, coming through these jungles. They couldn't have done well. First of all, it took them forever to get anywhere. It was hot. You know, there were leeches and snakes and all that, alligators. It, it just couldn't have been much fun. And then I read a story the other day about the, one of the first expeditions, Spanish expeditions that went up through Florida, and about 10% of them lived. So apparently they did not do well going through <laughs> the native the, the Indians and Native Americans uh, learned how to do it, but uh, they apparently did not. Hey, before we go shopping at Stateline, I want you to go and I'll post this over on our uh, Horses in the Morning Facebook page. Go down to the news section where there's links and go to Ralph Loren is going big and bold. 
uh, click on that story down there in the news section. I want to get your opinion on this. And don't scroll down to the bottom because I want you to guess how much these are going to cost. So apparently Ralph Lauren, who has been known to do horsey things in his clothing before, is going big and bold with its new Polo oh, Pony watches. God, I want one. That's so cool. Polo Pony watches. Now, when you look at this Polo Pony watch, it looks like a watch, but uh, it has a image of a Polo Pony. Now, it's not like the mallet is the hands of the watch or anything. It's just an image of a Polo Pony, right? It's, there? it's the the iconic Polo image, which is usually just shadowed. But this one is actually a bay horse with a rider with a blue shirt and a red hat. And, and he's swinging the mallet. And yeah, so it's it kind comes of in a, different colors. And, you know, uh, you get different kinds of bands and everything. Oh, yeah, there are other colors. Yeah. And, and, and so it's pretty cool. It's all right. I mean, it kind of looks to me like... Uh, w- one of the more inexpensive watches that you would buy because you, you know, are not a horse girl. I, I'm so a watch you're not knob. seeing this, and 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 I'm like, well, oh how much God. would you pay for this? I don't know. Like, I don't know. It looks kind of like with the bands and everything, like fifty bucks. Well, Ross? add sixteen hundred <laughs> to two thousand to that. Uh, these are running sixteen hundred and fifty dollars to twenty one hundred and fifty dollars. What? <laughs> they do not look that expensive. They really the do not. The only people that actually wear these are polo players. The guy in the photo. The guy who owns the polo team is who wears these. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Ralph Lauren, expensive horse stuff once again. I'll post these. We'll Ralph see if Lauren you'll also pay this much. That'll be the question. polo pony watches. Behold the power the of an power. iconic logo. By the way, if you want to... If you want a less expensive, fancy-looking watch, you can go to our friend at shoptoma.com and use coupon code HRN15 to get 15% off, and you get one for $50, which is what I I wore all weekend. I do think they're hot because (laughs) they're stolen. Not that hot. (laughs) (laughs) All right, uh, state line tax, speaking of shopping, uh, new fall things have arrived. Yes, uh, that is correct. The fall clothing especially has arrived with long-sleeve tops and jackets and rain jackets and yeah it's time to start thinking about that do you know we were so excited when we woke up this morning it is the first morning in six months that it's been under 70 degrees when we've woken up it was 64 this morning first one Summer is finally over here in Florida, but they have all kinds of horseware, carrots, uh, uh, OEQ. I don't know OEQ, actually. I don't know who I don't know who makes those. That's new. Uh, Henry de Burrell, They have Equine Couture, Good Rider, all kinds of clothing on there, and they have it at ten percent off right now. And I wonder if they still and they still have the thirty percent off thing going. I think that's just site wide. Yeah, it must be, because this is just, uh, they have all kinds of brand new clothing. Some of it's really good looking. Hey, you can get yourself a tailcoat. Are you allowed to wear one, or do you have to qualify to wear a tailcoat? I would just like to wear one around. <laughs> yeah, you would look good. I'm dropping actually. Lucas off at school. You okay? would look good huh. in one of those walking around. Actually, I think shorter women look good in tailcoats, because they almost hit the ground. It's kind butt. of a goth look. Yeah. Nice. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But they have, they have puffer jackets and all kinds of things right now. Some of this is really good looking. Colors still seem to be a thing. Colors came in a few years ago. Horse people actually started wearing colors. And okay, why that's is continued. the Gatsby turnout? Or it's triple stitch leather halter is $30. I just bought a flyover farm, like a, a leather halter for 
<clears throat> a lot more than that. It was probably a little better quality. Gatsby's not known for the best quality. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that's probably why. Uh, Good Rider has some fun clothing this year, too. Some colors and... You guys need to check it out, if nothing else, to just window shop all of the fall fashions that are now out. It's going to get chilly where you are, so head on over to statelinetech.com right now and take a look. Well, let's go to our guest. Equiderma finds guests for us on occasion and always finds us the most fun people, and they're usually people who uh, are uh, use Equiderma and really like the products, but also have some fascinating stories to tell and are just really cool people. And we have a lot of listeners we know over the years that have reached out to us that have donkeys and we we probably don't talk enough about mules and donkeys because a lot of our listeners do have it we don't talk about minis enough either did you notice uh, one of our auditors just got new mini a covid mini did you see um what tough one is selling have you heard of this no it's a it's a a belly band for minis and it says it's to sweat off the belly of minis. And this was on the, <laughs> does um, it vibrate too? Like that thing that used to hook to the wall that you could lose weight by just vibrating it off. I don't know, but this, <laughs> it, it was on horse vet corner and somebody on the Facebook page, horse vet corner, and somebody posted a picture of it and they're like, Hey, do you think this would work for my mini to sweat off their belly? And apparently tough one is selling these and tough one is not a company. I will ever purchase anything from theirs again. Cause they're garbage. Um, but they seriously had it on there, and so a vet was like, "That is a belly band for colic surgery. Like, there is no reason anybody should ever use one of those to sweat weight off of a mini." And tough one is selling him, but the veterinarian was like, "Totally, like, do not purchase." There's your that. helpful hint for the day: do not purchase that. All right, let's yeah. get Megan. Sorry, you mentioned minis. I wanted to mention. <laughs> Megan Hensley on, and she is from Holistic Hooves. Hi, Megan. How are you? It's Glenn and Jamie. Hi, I'm doing good. Well, thank you. How are you guys? Good. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Now, uh, when I saw your story, I saw how you got started in horses, and we all have kind of interesting stories how we get started. I married it. Um, But you were actually in the Conservation Corps when you discovered horses. Tell us about that. Yeah, well, the California Conservation Corps is a program for youth like age 18 to 26, and I got to live on a remote uh, trail crew out in the wilderness, building and repairing trails. And we had a mule team that brought in all of our supplies and our food and everything. And uh, they'd come in once a week and bring us our mail and all our treats and stuff. And it was really a lot of fun getting to meet them and have them part of our experience. So your first experience with an equid of any sort was a mule and you went, oh, this is fun. Yeah. Oh, they were amazing. Um, yeah, it was, they were great. Did now were they just using? I even for got pe- to ride one. I was going to ask you, did you ride any of them? I did. I got to ride one. I rode one all the way across the immigrant wilderness. It was a thirty-four mile trip, and uh, it was beautiful and it was incredible. Wow, that's cool. That well, it is an unusual start for somebody to meet a mule and go, ah, I like these. Uh, so yeah. then you went on and you actually applied to be a packer, right? To do to do the pack mule train. I did, yeah. I loved the trail work so much, and I loved the mules so much. I thought, well, shoot, I could spend my life out here working with these guys. This would be a great thing to do. And so I did. I applied. 
to be a packer, but they responded back with that I needed to have some farrier experience, that if, if I could at least have an apprenticeship, that then I would be a little more qualified um, to work alongside a lead packer because they shoe and maintain uh, the mules hooves themselves. Oh, I didn't realize that. And when they, when they pack yeah. the mules out there, do the mules hang around? Do, are, do you carry all the supplies out and then they immediately take the mule train back? Or do the mules hang out for a while and head back later? Uh, that's a good question. It kind of depends on how far out they go. So if it's a five or six mile trail, like, or hike in, then they're probably going to dump the supplies and then head back out. But if it's 12 plus miles into the camp, then they're going to spend the night and they usually put them on like a high line and then they head out the next day. So it just kind of depends on how far out the the camps are. Do they, how much can a mule carry by the way? I, you know, I don't know that answer actually. I was just Um, curious. um, I don't know the answer. Yeah. They carry big loads though. And then do, do they also carry their own food in or do they just eat grass and stuff while they're there or find what they can? They carry their own food. Uh, that also depends. I think usually one of the mules carries like a pelleted feed, probably something kind of condensed and highly nutritional, and then they will graze them in the meadows if they're staying overnight or, or going through. Gotcha. And that, I think, is all on a case-by-case basis, too. I just think this is so fascinating because it's something that 99% of the people listening right now will never experience or do, right? It's, it's just ah, something yeah. that not many yeah, of us ever get to do yeah it's wild and you know they're also um they take them in for those fires that we're having right now in california mule train um, mule teams are working right now carrying in uh, supplies to the firefighters and stuff that are in the remote camps so they they are they're really neat they can do a lot of different work they can you know work on emergencies or or general trail work and stuff like that so from that, it led to you getting into uh, hoof care and uh, also yeah. to donkeys. Now, you, you seem to be, from what I've read, kind of an expert on donkeys. Yeah, yeah I mean, people are saying that I'm an expert, but I, I'm, not, I'm not sure that's totally true. But I have spent a lot of time really focusing on them. I really love them. And um, in the farrier industry, uh, they are kind of underserved. Uh, we don't, they don't, they're not treated the same way that horses are. Um, so I've been advocating for them and trying to raise awareness for people to understand how, you know, special donkeys really are and how deserving they are as well of, of good care. And it's just, they're just different than horses. And so uh, they take a little bit different approach with training and stuff like that. So sometimes they get themselves into trouble and people think that they're not very good, but they're actually really good. <laughs> so tell is that, are their feet any different? Do they have different problems? Do you have to treat them differently as a farrier? You treat them a little bit differently. So the hoof, the hoof structure is the same. You know, they have the same bones and the same soft tissue, but it's put together a little differently. They have a, from the bone to soft tissue ratio, they have more soft tissue in the hoof capsule. So that's our lateral cartilages, our digital cushion, the frog. And then um, the way it's placed, uh, the frog originates farther back on the on P3, the coffin bone. So that's like, if you look at a donkey's hoof, you'll see that their their heel bulbs stick farther out and their frog juts out farther back. And then their hoof is shaped more like a little U. 
And the hoof wall is uniformly dense all the way around. Um, and so they, they kind of call them like the mountain goats of the equine world. They have these really like little tight, more elongated hoof capsules. And those are perfect for digging holes in the ground for water. In the wild, they dig holes to get water in the desert. And then they're just very nimble. They can travel over all kinds of rugged terrain. And that's where that mule gets that sure-footedness. You'll, you'll hear people that are really into mules. They'll say, my mule can take me anywhere. And that's really coming from the donkey side of their genetics. Hmm. Interesting. Are they ever yeah. shod or do they, yeah. are they always barefoot because their feet are so tough? Well, you know, there are some that are shod. I've never um, shot a donkey, but I know that some people have. Um, I actually use, if a donkey needs hoof protection nowadays, I will uh, lean towards like composite glue-ons or even a hoof boots are kind of my favorite route for that. Yeah, I see that. I mean, I, I get that. And you actually have a course on on donkey feet care, right? I do. Yeah, I have two courses. I have a beginner course that's like an intro to donkey hoof care. A lot of people are wanting to know what should my donkey's hoof look like? Are they being trimmed well? Um, and also handling the donkeys. The donkeys are can be little turkeys, you know. Then they'd be like, I don't need no farrier. I don't need you to do nothing. And you guys be like, yes, we do. <laughs> you know, so I have, like, a course on handling them. And it's really based on being playful um, and and confident with them, but being also very gentle. And then, and so that's, like, the beginner course. And then I have a, I have a, a donkey hoof trimming course. Like, if you wanted to learn how to trim your own donkey's hooves, I could teach you how to do that. Where do, where do people... And that's a comprehensive... Where do oh, they, go ahead. Where do they find it? Where do they find the courses? Uh, they can find um, more about me at holistichooves.com. And then also, I'm really active on Facebook. And I have a Facebook group called Donkey and Mule Hoof Trimming and Rehab. And that's where I do a lot of promoting my course... Um, in there. I like to get people into that group that gives them kind of a intro to who I am and what we're doing. And then from there I can link them. But you can always email me from my website too. If, if you're not on Facebook. All right. And so let's talk about thrush or, or do donkeys get thrush if their feet are so hard, do they still have that issue? Yes, they do. In fact, um, Glenn, what happens donkeys are desert animals. Like if we were to step back, and just go out and meet a wild donkey. They are in the high desert. They, they, they go up higher than even our wild horses. And it is dry in the desert, right? And it is rocky, and there's not much moisture, and there's also not a lot to eat. So there's, um, you know, not a lot of sugar and carbs available for donkeys in their natural environment. And so when we bring them, you know, home with us, that doesn't change who they are. That doesn't change the fact that they're these desert animals. And what will happen is, like I live in the Pacific Northwest of Northern California. It rains here all the time. It's always moist. So the donkeys struggle more with hoof issues when, when they're in these wetter environments. And so we have to be very... Uh, we have to we have to be thoughtful and be and take preventative measures. So, like I'm always telling people that you want to dry up their environment as much as you can. We can't stop the rain, but we can get rid of standing water. We can mitigate mud because those things will wreak havoc on a donkey's hooves and too much moisture, and that in turn introduces cases of thrush and white lion disease. 
So, you know, and then also trimming them more often because in the desert, they would be wearing their feet down all the time. And then we bring them to a softer environment and their feet get long. And thrush likes to live in wet, dirty, long crevices, if that makes sense. So we, yeah, we, we live in Florida, so we know a little bit about thrush, uh, being that it's wet here all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. What, do, what do you use? Do you, uh, do you use that an Equidoma product for that, or what do you use for thrush? Or what do you recommend? I, do. I, you know, I really love Equiderma's new product. They just, I've loved Equiderma for a long time. Um, one of their main ingredients is neem oil, and that's what really had me fall in love with their products. That's just an amazing um, ingredient. And they just created not long ago um, a thrush and white line a disease product, and I love it. I've been using it since it came out, and I've been having really good results with it. And the other thing I like about it is donkeys can be funny about new things, smells and stuff. And, you know, you bring out some medicine, and they're like, I don't need no medicine. Get away from me. <laughs> you know, and so what I've found with the equiderma is they actually like the smell of it. I haven't had any of my donkeys turn their nose up at it and not want me to, you know, I call it the medicine. So I'm like, come here, we got to put some medicines on there. <laughs> so donkeys are a lot like little kids. So <laughs> you have to negotiate with them. But um, yeah, I, I was thinking they sounded a lot like husbands. Really but well. Okay. We'll go with little oh. kids. <laughs> Well, maybe, yeah, you know, you got to kind of convince them and you got to make things fun and you got to kind of talk them into why should they be doing this with you. So, um, so yeah, I love donkeys. They're so silly. They're very, very smart, too. So, so that's called, uh, for Equiderma, it's called Thrush and White Line Treatment. You can go to Equiderma.com. By the way, there is a coupon code. I want to ask you a question then, Jamie. There is a coupon code, HRN15, all one word, HRN, the number's 15. And you get 15% oh, cool. off of all the products at Equiderma, including the uh, Thrush and White Line Treatment. Head on over there right now. Thank you for, for mentioning that. Have you ever worked with donkeys, Jamie? Have you ever? Jamie's a certified Monty Roberts instructor, but are donkeys included in that? Oh, uh, we he, we do have in the syllabus a long uh, part about training donkeys, and it's interesting because donkeys have instead of flight, you know, fight or flight, donkeys also have like a third tactic that they use, which is fight, flight, and freeze. And sometimes donkeys just yeah. take, you know, people say donkeys are stubborn. They're actually in that freeze mechanism when people say they're being mm -hmm. stubborn because they take a little more time to process things. Um, and, and by taking time to process, I mean, they're deciding whether or not they're going to do what you want or they're going to leave. So <laughs> that is the kind of the fun part about training donkeys is you have to work with that mechanism as well. It's like a third kind of reaction. Do you find that that's true? Yeah. Oh, I do. Yeah. I was nodding my head along with you. Absolutely. <laughs> that is where they get that. The people will say that they're stubborn and you're right. They're freezing and they're just thinking more about it. And, and in the wild, they will freeze and even try to camouflage. Like you say, they might fight a predator or they'll freeze and they will blend in because they're trying to conserve energy. Mm -hmm. uh, they don't want to run and they don't live in as big of herds in the wild as horses do. So there's not that power of the group either. Yeah, it's really interesting. They're, they're such amazing animals. I, I've, I haven't ever actually worked with a pure donkey. I've worked with some mules, but donkeys never. And uh, it's, it's on the bucket list to get one from the BLM and start one fresh. Should yeah. be fun. Aww. That'd be so cool. They, 
I like to t- say that like people love donkeys. They just might not know it yet until you meet one, <laughs> you get to interact with one. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. they're really special. Well, we have a lot of them around our farm here. We have donkeys that live in uh, like four different farms right around ours. So we get the twice a day uh, chorus going. Uh, and if one yeah. starts in the neighborhood, they all go. It's all at yeah. the same time. Yeah. And so twice a day we hear the chorus and it's usually when one of the groups is being fed and then the others tripe in <laughs> and it's, you know what time of day it is by what time the donkey chorus starts. It's holistichooves.com. So Thank you so much for joining us yeah. today. We really appreciate it. I'll put the links in our show notes as well. Uh, Megan Hensley, we appreciate you stopping by. It's been fun talking about donkeys. Thank you, Yeah, Megan. thank you guys so much. All right, bye-bye. Bye. And it is holistichooves.com for those playing along at home. And when you do go to You're it, it's You're just going to have to stop picture. correcting me because we determined I am not the only one. So you are, you are the as only wrong one. as you I. You are. You're always no, wrong. No, <laughs> no. We have determined that uh, I am not the only one. You, you are as wrong as I am. Mind. Today's horse health report coming up next is brought to you by the Horse Nutrition Podcast on the Horse Radio Network. The Horse Nutrition Podcast covers topics you will love. By the way, if all of you that say it the way I say it, email jamie at horseradionetwork.com every day for the rest of your life. Annoy oh, wait, the hell out on. of her. Hold on. I'm getting an email. Wait, no, I'm not getting an email because nobody says <laughs> The it Horse like Nutrition that. Podcast Unless covers topics you will all love. It highlights the world's most extraordinary horses, how they're trained, and what kind of nutrition they're given. A part of Purina's Full Rain documentary series. Go to PurinaMills.com slash Full Rain to see them all. The latest episode is all about vaulting horses. <clears throat> and it's award-winning. And it's right here on the Horse Radio Network as well. Well, I uh, believe it was last week that we had somebody on from Lancaster, PA, and they said hooves. <laughs> no, I think they said it my way, and you just didn't no, hear it right. They did not. So oh my God, play there's, it back. Been, <laughs> there's been a lot of posts on the auditor page I noticed about arthritis. People are dealing with joints and arthritis pain in their horses. Yeah. And I asked Jennifer to look back in our archives. And remember, Diane, uh, Dr. Brian Waldridge has been on our show many times. Dr. And B. She, he, she found one uh, that she did on joint anatomy with Dr. Waldridge, and he's always a lot of fun. So we're going to play that for you today. And so for all those people out there having joint issues or arthritis problems this kind of goes into why because their joints are so very complicated and we're coming back with some weird news aren't we yep we got it watch out here we go well when it comes to hot topics for horse people care and maintenance of horses joints is right there at the top and dr brian waldridge better known to his facebook fans as dr b from dr b's bluegrass is going to lay down the basics for us here because a little knowledge can go a very long way when it comes to making good decisions and taking care of your horse's joints. So welcome to the show, Dr. B. Well, thanks. It's always great to spend time with you guys. I enjoy it more than you know. Well, it's so fun to have you because you have great uh, information for us because you you can explain it so that regular people can understand it. And you also always have really great stories because you're right there in the thick of things in Lexington, Kentucky. Yeah, that and I uh, used to practice in some wilderness in uh, Alabama and Georgia, so that helps too. So we, <laughs> you get interesting stories of every sort, don't you? That leads us right to our topic today: joints, horses' joints, or horses' joints, or horses' joints. They all have the same ones. Um, yeah, they have varying degrees of stress on them, depending on what your how your horse is built and what he does for a living. But how they're made and how they work is the same for everybody. So maybe you could start us out with just an kind of an overview of how joints are made, 
and how they work because it gets a little confusing sometimes. Right. I think let's start with how they work. And, and sometimes I'll tell people to go and just go on YouTube and just search a slow motion video of a racehorse. Or if you, or, you know, if you event, go look for a slow motion video of a, of a horse going over a jump or on the cross country and watch like how far their fetlock drops. And it, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll touch the ground at a racehorse. It'll touch into the, into the track sometimes, or at least be parallel to the ground. And I think because when you look at that, it helps you to realize those joints are doing a whole lot more under a whole lot more stress than you think sometimes. And, and, but that's how the horse is made. It's made to take that. But when you think about how much repetitive stress it is on that joint, it helps you to understand how easy it is and maybe how fortunate we are. The horses don't have a, more joint problems than, than we see. And then, you know, for function, for me, I'll try and think too is where that joint is because we have, they have the joints that are called hinge joints, like the elbow is just a hinge joint. They're just going to go in two places. And then, like a shoulder or a, more so a hip, you know, they're sort of a ball and socket joint, so they can move a lot more than, you know, they move in different planes than the hinge joints do. And then the other thing you think about is how, how the horses get arthritis and either they have an abnormal joint for some reason, like say they have a chip or a fracture, and then that joint's asked to do that normal movement. You know, of course, that's going to cause problems. Or we take the normal joint and we're asking it to do something pretty extraordinary, like say a high-level jumper. You know, it's going to go over some really high jump and then come down and have to have a lot of drop in their fetlock. So. You know, either we've got a joint that has problems, it's, we're asking it to do, say, normal type things like trail riding or maybe some uh, galloping, something like that, in a racehorse that's got a chip. Or we're asking a horse to jump this big high jump, so we're really stressing a normal joint. And those two things are going to really the, the basis of how we're going to end up with osteoarthritis later on. So if you have, you have hinge joints and you have ball and socket joints, um, what would, what, which one would, would a knee or a hawk fall under? What would they be called? Cause they're the so ones you hear about be more, Yeah. Hawks would be more of a hinge, but the little bones at the bottom of the hawk, they'll actually rotate some too. So really? those, those ones are going to rotate in and then there's, you know, at the top of the hawk where the tibia, the big bone comes in, there's a groove and the and sort of the will move back and forth like a hinge, but that, that groove will help to stabilize the joint. And then the other thing I need to talk about is, you know, there's soft tissue structures in there that help to hold well, the Now we're going to get to the, the right really confusing position. part. This is where it really gets confusing, people. So put on your thinking cap. Go ahead. All right. <laughs> so, okay. Made so, out of aluminum foil so people can't read my thoughts. There we go. <laughs> a fellow Marvel Comics fan. Yay. Um, <laughs> so, so we've got... The bones that that basically have either a hinge joint or a ball and socket joint, and holding it all together, we have assorted bits of soft tissue. So, continue. So there, we've got tendons and ligaments and you know muscle on some of those joints, and you know the other thing I think about is the shoulder joint, which is one we don't really see a whole lot of disease in. But really, if you look at a at a horse skeleton, that shoulder joint the scapula, the shoulder blade, isn't attached to the skeleton. That's held on by muscle. So oh, really? 
you know, that's another one that we don't really, so luckily don't see much shoulder problems, but really the shoulder is totally supported by muscle outside the body. So let, let me take a break on. here. And when we talk about the shoulder joint, the actual shoulder joint is located at that pointy part in the front where he always gets blanket rubs, right? Yes, okay. right. And so there's this, there's the big shoulder blade, you know, the, and then there's muscle to the rest of the skeleton. So there's not any attachment there there's the no rest of the way. So you know, horses don't have a clavicle, so they don't have any attachment. There you go. Then they can't break it, but maybe that's not good either. So we have tendons no. and ligaments, and they can be a little confusing because they look like they should be the same thing, but they're not. Right, right. And a tendon is going to tie muscle into bone, and a ligament's going to tie, going to be uh, bone to bone generally, is this kind of a really broad definition. So when you have a tendon, are they made of basically the same material? In other words, are they designed to um, to absorb the same types of stresses? Like they're just two different two different colored rubber bands, but they're st- both rubber bands, or is are they completely different functions? No, they're pretty much the same histologically. If you look at them with a microscope, they're even a little bit coiled, which helps them to stretch. And pretty much one connects bone to bone and one is the muscle going into bone. So if you think of like a a tendon is where the muscle is going to end into the bone to tie it into the bone to help it pull on that bone to cause movement. All right. So what what other soft tissues do we have involved inside of these joints? Well, you have things like um, the meniscus and the stifle joint, which, you know, people have this kind of like a little cushioning uh, apparatus that um, allows the, the tibia, the big bone in the in the top of the leg there, that kind of cushions it as it articulates with the tibia, the next long bone in the leg. So there's in there, and, you know, horses have cruciate ligaments. Um, and, you know, there's also, even in the knee, um, there's little ligaments that tie those um, carpal bones together. And then another place where we can have problems is what people call the X, XYZ ligaments because they're kind of shaped like that if we look at them with ultrasound to help tie uh, the bones there, the, the sesamoid bones in the back of the ankle to the pastern. So those little ligaments can also get damaged and stretched. And that can sometimes cause a pretty significant lameness and be hard to diagnose. So we have a, a now is a meniscus the same as cartilage? It's sort of similar in that it's a cushioning, uh, and it's a thicker cartilage type material. But it's not like cartilage that's on the end of the bone. It's it's more of a, a true cushion that sits in there, and so it helps to be a shock absorber. And probably part of its role is probably to connect or to uh, protect that cartilage below it too. But it's basically, if you look at it in a microscope, it's going to be closer to cartilage. Yes. Okay, so we've got cartilage and meniscus, which are kind of in the same family. And we've got tendons and ligaments. They're in the same family. Um, What about um, something called a joint sac? What the heck does that do, and why is it there? Well, the the joint sac or joint capsule, so its job is to hold in our joint fluid. And and joint fluid, if you think of that, that's like oil in the engine. So that's lubrication. Uh, And that helps everything just glide back and forth and, and reduce friction and allow that. And also it, it gives nutrients to the cartilage and the, and the tendons and all that are inside that, that joint. So it both nourishes the cells and has a lubricating effect. So, so the joint capsule holds that in there. 
All right. So there we've got the parts of the joints, which covers up. That basically covers all the joints in the whole body. So joints uh, between every vertebrae, there's a joint. It essentially has the same parts as a knee joint would. It has cartilage and tendons and ligaments and joint capsule. Right in the between the vertebrae, yes. There's little. There's not much in there, but there's um, there's going to be a little joint fluid, and also there's discs. Uh, horses, the discs that horses have are different than dogs, and I think they're different than humans. So we don't tend to really see disc disease in horses, but those discs can sometimes cause trouble. And, and in older horses, and this is more common than stallions. I guess I've seen it in mares, but I can't remember it that I have, is they can get um, arthritis. It's called spondylosis. They get it where you almost think they've got arthritis in between their vertebrae. So they get some bridging in there and get some little spurs and all. And those can be pretty painful and even cause signs of neurologic deficits. Hmm. You know, the horses can have neurologic, and that, that's pretty common in old stallions that you'll see that. That was actually... One of the problems Seattle flu had late in life. That's why he. Oh yes, I remember uh, reading about that. Yeah, that's that's why he had to have. It wasn't that he was a wobbler. It was that, and you know, cigar, great cigar. Another example that he got those those kind of bridging arthritis there in his neck and had to get that repaired. Well, how interesting is that? Well, this is just. Get created lots and lots more questions for me, but I, I won't ask them right now because uh, we're going to run short on time. If folks want to follow your adventures around the Lexington, Lexington, Kentucky area as a working veterinarian, where can they find you? How can they follow you? Uh, on Facebook, Dr. Bl- Dr. B's Bluegrass. Well, thank you to Dr. B. we got to ha- have him back on live again sometime soon. It's been a while. It's good to hear him. And to hear all about uh, arthritis and joints, uh, this health segment was brought to you by, and by the way, getting older, I'm thinking about that more, and feeling it more. This health segment was brought to you by the Horse Nutrition Podcast on the Horse Radio Network, now in their third season. Each show highlights some of the world's most extraordinary horses, how they're trained, and what kind of nutrition they're given to help fuel their performances. Episodes this year, including Training Hollywood Movie Horses therapy horses helping veterans and an inside look at traditional charro horsemanship it's all pr uh it's all part of purina's full rain documentary series go to purinamills.com slash full rain to see all the films interviews and podcasts it's time yes it is time for weird news and um you know glenn i need an uh, an extra sound effect for this first one. This weird news also begs to have the loser sound effect. Can you pull that up? <laughs> Man, you are one pathetic loser. Drivers on the Chicago highway saw an unusual sight on Monday afternoon. That's right. A cowboy, they said, riding alongside vehicles in Chicago during rush hour on a major freeway. He was known as the Dreadhead Cowboy, a local, quote, celebrity whose real name is Adams Hollingsworth. And he said he rode down the Dan Ryan Expressway in support of hashtag Kids Lives Matter. Um, I... What an idiot. Okay, you're, you stop traffic by galloping down the pavement on your horse in the middle of rush hour. Poor horse. Now, 
they it took forever for them to actually apprehend him. It was a he slow went, pe- slow speed chase at about twelve yeah, miles an hour. He, he galloped quite a yeah. bit. I mean, for miles, this poor horse carried him miles with sirens flashing and people honking and cars going by and a, a quadrant of mo- motorcycles escorting him, who apparently were with him at the beginning. They were friends of his riding the motorcycles. Oh wow! I, I thought it was police motorcycles off. at first when I saw the video, but it was but a bunch of his friends. I wonder if they got arrested, too. The horse was taken into police custody by the Chicago Police Department, and videos posted to social media showed the horse uh, being put onto a mounted patrol trailer, and the horse went to animal control. Now, you have an update on this guy who was arrested. um, And and a friend of his was arrested, too, by the way, because the friend, one of the motorcyclists, apparently got in the way and wouldn't let the police take the horse. So he got arrested for obstruction of justice, too. Um, So what what apparently the horse was bleeding from one foot uh, and another foot was in pretty bad shape. And as you can guess, running down the highway at for 17 minutes at a gallop and also had uh, serious uh, sores on the horse's side from the saddle. So the horse did not fare as well if he was doing this to make, you know, to make a point and to make a statement. Maybe he shouldn't have done it at the horse's demise. Uh, so the horse has been taken away and is now at one of the sheriff department horse places. Uh, he will appear in bond court today. I hope so. they also get him for animal abuse. I mean, I hope that's one of the things they add to that list because the horse was abused. There was there was problems. Yeah, oh, I'm good. reading quotes from his family. Uh, now I'm not. I'm not even no, spending any more time on yeah, this story. Moving it on. just was a bad thing to do for the horse. Whatever your intentions were good, the end result was bad. So let's uh, let's leave it at that. Well, this family was devastated to find out that Solomon had run away. Solomon in Ashland City, Tennessee disappeared and the family was so sad that their 150 pound African salt called a tortoise had left and run away from his Ashland city. How does a turtle run away? (laughs) Glenn, he took (laughs) off, dude. He was gone for two months, two months. They found him half a mile away. (laughs) Not even an eighth of a mile. He had made it in two months. And he was running the whole time, full speed. Of a mile away. <laughs> um, a man and his son the spotted let- Solomon. They were grazing- feeding him bad lettuce. He was out of there. <laughs> grazing in a valley at a construction site and returned him. I guess his uh, been quite some deal with, you know, trying to get the tortoise back. Uh, he was 50. They've had him since he was born. He's 15 years old. 150 He's now pounds? 150 pounds. Oh they said, I guess we'll never know the full details of Solomon's great he was adventure. Pissed. You didn't do him enough. You didn't feed him enough good food, I guess. And how he managed to elude us all for so long. No matter his traveled course or intent, Solomon is now safely at home and so much joy has been returned to our family. And the quote from Solomon is, damn it, I'm home. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to get out of here. Yeah. That's the same I quote we get from get Zeus away. every time you capture him. <laughs> I ran as fast as I could. Do we know, have they caught the tiger they keep spot- spotting in Tennessee too? Have they caught that oh, one yet? Yeah. I don't know. I'll probably get that news story when it actually (laughs) Okay. 
We have four. This is going to be number three, but we're going to head to Georgia. We're going to head to Canton, Georgia, which is just northwest of Atlanta. And a suspect was pulled over. He, he was just in a regular routine traffic stop. And if, if you know where Canton, Georgia is, there's, it's just pine trees everywhere. So this guy gets pulled over, gets out of the car, and runs into the woods. He's gone. Takes off. Because that always works in the movies. Yeah, yeah, you know, why not? Um, I got a flat tire in Canton, Georgia one time, and I was afraid to get out of my car because I felt like a bear was going to get me or like I was going to get murdered or something by some... You didn't mouth. run into the woods? <laughs> I did not go into the woods because people like this are in the woods. Um, so it, it, the Cherokee County Sheriff's Office went through his backpack. And, Wait a minute, stop right there. Why am I not surprised it's a Cherokee County Sheriff's Office? In Canton, oh yeah, Georgia. Canton, Georgia, Cherokee <laughs> yeah. County. Um, and if and if they went through his bag, and in a Facebook post, they said, "Hey, um, by the way, you left your backpack in here, and inside the backpack they found meth, <laughs> but they also found a lottery ticket, mm. a winning lottery no. ticket." a scratch off winning lottery ticket for like a hundred bucks or something. And the, the Facebook post offered its from the sheriff's department offered its congratulations. You've, you know, come back and get your winning lottery ticket. Our offices in Canton about 40 minutes north of Atlanta, please come on back and we'll give you the ticket. <laughs> <laughs> she, of course. He's probably so dumb. He will. <laughs> I know. Well, they did eventually catch him and he is currently in custody. Well, he has a hundred dollars <laughs> to use towards his bail now. They said they gave <laughs> it back to him, but they kept the meth. <laughs> it was like an unboxing. That's going to be a new thing. Sheriff's department's unboxings where they open I just, up. <laughs> I love when they, they just turn it like they take the moment to be like, make a little comedy. They're yeah. like, Hey, congratulations. You have a winning lottery ticket and it's right here at the prison. You can come get it and we will absolutely give it back to you. Well, their, their job's <laughs> not very fun right now. So anything to break up the monotony, exactly. anything, by the way, I am so happy. I know you have one more. I'm so happy that Florida, hasn't been in the weird news yet this week. I'm very Not yet. And Florida is going to stay out of it today. Yay! Because we are going to head to Australia. And one of our kind listeners tagged me in this post because I love it when y'all share weird news with me because I never would have seen this one. So thank you for sharing this. It's an article from Newsweek. Newsweek.com. There was a fire, Glenn. There was a fire at a cattle breeding facility in Australia. And um, there was cylinders, hundreds of cylinders containing bull semen. And the cylinders were destroyed in the fire. However, what happens when the flame gets next to the cylinders is explosions. Are they pressurized? The cylinders, um, it says the liquid inside the cylinders was, because there's like, you know, liquid to keep everything cryogenic, you know. Ah, Um, The liquid in the cylinders was rapidly expanding, and essentially the lids of the cryogenic cylinders were popping (laughs) off and projectiles were being thrown out of the building. So firefighters were trying to get the fire out and avoid... Bull semen from raining down. Okay, I want to be on the fly of the wall in that fire department when they got back. The jokes and the comedy must have been great. 
Oh my God. I mean, it, it, you know, yeah, it's, it's a sad story. All the firemen lost all the, you know, the people lost everything, but the fact that bull semen is raining down from the yes. sky, an explosion. There you go. Oh, the nicknames, just everything about oh. that story with firemen. Oh, that's going to be a good one. Right. <laughs> it's a rainbow. Hallelujah. If your senior dog has the mobility and spunk of a puppy, Lucky you, but more than likely your senior dog is slowing down, maybe even suffering slightly. We're excited to tell you about Dr. Busby's Encore Mobility. It's a new joint supplement. Speaking of joints, we just were talking about that earlier. For dogs, that does more than just help the joints. It renews your dog's spark and spirit. Stop uh, worrying about your senior dog slowing down. Go to drbusby.com, that's B-U-Z-B-Y dot com, and save 10% on Encore Mobility with the promo code HR. RN. It's promo code HRN at drbusby.com. For more good days with your dog, go stock up today. You know, what? I'll end with this today, and we're, we'll, we'll hang around with the auditors for a little bit. Uh, while I was not feeling well over the weekend, I uh, decided to get on and look what greyhounds were available, because it's been a while now, and much to Time Jennifer's chagrin, I, you know, I started looking. Uh, and I'm happy to report that there is not a greyhound to be found anywhere. The adoption agencies are like empty. I mean, virtually empty. Uh, From here to Ohio, it it was crazy. There are very few greyhounds available for adoption right now, which means that they've been adopted. So that's all good. Are you you willing to look at other dogs or do you are you set on the greyhound greyhound. jennifer would love she's always had a dream her entire life and we're not purebred people until greyhounds and that was mostly for the rescue side of it right um and plus they turned out to be terrific dogs um but she's always wanted a full-size standard poodle believe it or not (laughs) jennifer's always wanted a full-size standard poodle not little not the little barky ones the big ones which are pretty cool the big ones three thousand dollars and up no yes no, I mean, I mean, no. yes, I'm yeah. sure they cost that, but yeah. no, 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 we're not spending that much for a dog. We haven't I spent that much on any of our horses. Pets, <laughs> so, greyhoundpetsok.org. It's Let's amazing see. that they're just, I don't know, maybe it's a COVID thing, you know, everybody went out and got greyhounds too. Uh, so I was, I'm, I was actually happy to see that because then I didn't have to make a decision. <laughs> Hounds of the Heartland, greyhound adoption. I think they might have some dogs available. Okay. So we'd check have to it go out. out to Oklahoma to visit you. And- yes. Oh my God. I'll like totally get it. And we like, <laughs> think I'll save it yeah. at the house. Yeah. yeah. Chad, I love that. <laughs> All right. Thank you everybody for joining us today. We appreciate it. Tomorrow is, oh, the sales and breeding episode with Kayla and Charlie. So they'll be here tomorrow. And then Friday, we have some really bad ads. So get your ads into Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com for Friday's show. Thanks, everybody. All right, spay, neuter, geld.